Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to Behind the Mask with Cassandra Perkins. Listen today as we show you how to love God, love people, and impact the world for Christ. I was made to love. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the show. I am your host, Cassandra Perkins on Behind the Mask. Thank you guys so much for joining me today and listening to my show. It's always greatly appreciated. Hey, we love to hear from our listeners. Um, You should check out my website, CassandraPerkinsRadio.com. You can find out more about me as well as what I'm doing and my guest. Again, that's CassandraPerkinsRadio.com. My first guest for today is Mark Dizuba, and he is just such an incredible person. He is a volunteer chaplain, and you know, um, my mom and I actually got to spend a few hours talking to him over the phone. And he is just an incredible being, and just looks at life so positively. And um, I'm just so blessed to be able to have him on my show today, and you know, kind of share this topic of suicide. You know, uh, coming up tomorrow is. You know, my uh, friend who committed suicide three years ago, it's his birthday coming up, um, Austin Erfman. So, you know, it's, it's really a subject close to my heart. You know, I went through it myself. Um, it's really a subject close to my heart. And when I find somebody who is in the older generation and understands, it <laughs> understands, you know, um, compared to me in high school, you know, it's, it's different. And I don't find a lot of adults who understand and really un- understand what we're going through and how we're feeling. So when I find someone like that who can share and, you know, shed a little light on the subject, I just think it's so amazing. So Mark, thank you so much for being on the show with me today. Thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. So, you know, I'd really like to know, you know, starting off, what is your personal connection with teen suicide? Before we do this, could we open up in prayer? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah let's absolutely open up in prayer. Alrighty. So just, uh, dear Heavenly Father, we just shout out and declare your name, and your name is Jesus Christ. And Jesus, we just come before you and we declare your lordship over every aspect of our life. And today, Lord, we just come, Cassie and I, before you and... Just uh, download that which you want to be shared with the listening audience today about how much you love youth, about how much you love those who are in a dark place, who are held in captivity and bondage, where the thought of suicide or the act of suicide is playing very real in their lives. And God, let these words that you speak through us just shed some light on uh, to the brokenness in these people and... and uh, Dear Heavenly Father, let them be drawn to you and, and uh, so that they can walk in life. They can walk in, in light. And we ask these sweet blessings and these prayers that they be uh, spoken in your name. And your name is Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen, Mark. Thank you so much for, for doing that. That was very beautiful. Thank yeah. you. Um, to answer your question, I volunteer chaplain in many capacities down in Colorado Springs. 
and over the last seven or eight years, uh, one minist uh, ministry focus was that, I guess, towards the elderly, so hospice, the dying, the neglected. Um, and we would spend, my wife and I, numerous hours with these people. And we had heard many bedside conversions, uh, many people who had been carrying the burden of life uh, for decades, and all the hidden secrets you know, that they had uh, right. stored within themselves. And they were wondering, are they worthy of salvation? Are they worthy uh, to receive God's love? Are they going to receive the big bad thumbs down? And uh, in that process, it was a great learning process for me to learn about humanity, the fallen state, and the hopes and desires of broken people, and simply just to shed the light in the love of Christ mm. to lives of others. Uh, one individual that we had spoken to uh, in one of these elder care facilities uh, found rehabilitation um, back in the workplace, and they had a granddaughter who uh, was suffering from suicide. And she herself was victim of sexual abuse. Wow. For years. Uh, horrible sexual abuse. And, you know, teens do not want to commit suicide to end it all. They just want to end the pain, the emotional strife, the storms that are brewing within them. And a lot of these young people are just not programmed and wired to self-analyze, um, to introspect, um, to discern the storms that are brewing within them. And so they fall prey to their emotions. And this young lady uh, attempted suicide. Wow. She drank a half a bottle of Drano. And I got called to the emergency room and uh, you know, the good Lord was able to save this young lady. Um, but then the doctors and the police, I guess, had uh, shifted, I guess, this gal to a healthcare facility where we minister. And this gentleman who administered a long time ago, as God would have it, uh, this was the granddaughter, and he said, would you go down and speak to this young lady? And it was, I always tell people it's kind of a mistake how we got into this or a happenstance. And through that one conversation, uh, the administrators at this facility, they saw what we did. And, and we were just simply just sharing the love and the gospel of Christ to right. kids that are broken. Nothing more than that. Matter of fact, I tried to get as much as I could get me out of it and just get scripture into it. And these kids would just come alive. And one thing led to another, and the facility then put a proposal uh, before us. Would we entertain uh, a volunteer schedule where we could go down and meet with these kids? And I was like, absolutely. And then, you know, through the years, it just developed into this ministry outreach. Um, and it's clearly got the hand of God on it. And so then we went to immediate intervention uh, with the kids in the facilities. Then we would find the kids three, four, five days later or three, four, five weeks later, they're just thrown back into uh, the world again, the same situation that they were in, but they had no scripture to support themselves. They didn't have a system or a support system they could rely on. So then a bunch of us just got together and we said, hey, let's get a couple churches here in town to oh. come up with a small group Bible study setting where these kids could go. So we kind of strategically picked four churches in Colorado Springs, you know, one north, south, east, west. And we just plugged these kids in. And now we have one incredible success story where one gentleman uh, who went through the whole gamut, uh, he is now the pastor of his church 
Um, and he, I'm guessing right now he's probably just shy of 30 years old. Um, and he's running a church in inner city Philadelphia, dealing with the wow. kids in the hardcore ghetto of Philly. And again, as I shared with you prior, uh, Cassie, this is a guy that when the first time we met him, you know, he was uttering profanity and slurring God. And, mm. you know, now this guy is just rocking and rolling and in Philadelphia. Wow. And outreaching to youth. And uh, what an amazing Probably story. Wow. Yeah, I mean, it's an absolutely amazing story. And so for me to be involved in this, I tell everybody else, I just, uh, I just try to get out of the way. Right. You know? <laughs> so it was no conscious design on my part that I was going to get up and do a business plan to create a ministry to, you know, outreach to youth. It's just, I think it comes through love of God and obedience. And then God just puts you in a place, if you're willing, and you have love for others, um, he just puts you in these beautiful places. I mean, did you think you would ever be doing this, that you would ever help the youth and be outreaching to them and have a, a program, you know, a, a place where they can be themselves and vent? And I mean, did you ever think that God would put you in this position? I mean... Yeah, great question, Cassie. And the answer is absolutely not. Yeah. And had I thought or designed this of my own you know, intellect or my own passion... Um, it would have never come to fruition. Right. You know, I would have, I probably would have been stuck in the confusion of trying to make this thing happen. But just God comes in and opens up doors, and next thing you know, here we are. A couple, you know, almost a decade later. Wow. So when you, when you deal with the teens and you're, you know, sharing Christ and you're reaching out to them, you know, what are what are really their reactions? Because, um, you know, I'm a teen myself. Mm-hmm. I'm 18 years old, and I I know you're the, the kids. smartest 18 year old <laughs> I've ever met. Thank you, Mark. But you know, I I know these kids. I'm pretty too. Oh, thank you, Mark. Welcome. Oh, thank you. But you know, I I feel like I really know these kids, and I know how they act, and I know how they feel. So how how are you able to reach out to them and really make an impact? Do you think it's through God? Yeah, another great question. And when we are called in by these facilities to deal with these young kids, and for the listening audience, keep in mind these kids are kind of in an aggregate setting. There's as many as 20 to 30 kids that are in a lockdown unit. It's 72-hour lockdown. And they have no contact with family, friends, anyone. The only people that they have contact with are themselves and the facilitators in these facilities. And whatever our personal feelings or our politics, lay that aside, we just have kids we have to deal with. And when I was first called in, I had no idea what to say. I did not know what type of protocol. I had no idea um, what I would do. Mm. And so I just Kind of got prayed up in the Holy Spirit as I drove right. to the facility, knocked on the door, opens up, and here I'm in a room with 20 kids. And I just had these tingly feelings come over me. And the first thing we did is I just kind of introduced myself. They're a bit hesitant. You know, they're the 12 to 17 crowd. They see this gray-haired old guy come walking in. And I just gave them all a big hug. And, you know, there's hugs, hugs, the social hugs where you kind of bend your body away and you don't really <laughs> just right. do the fingertip tap. Now these kids would just not let go. Mm. And you know, there's that hug hug where it goes straight to the core of the heart of a person. And again, the tingles of the Holy Spirit kind of would come over me. And then uh, we just sat everybody down and 
And uh, I just asked everybody to kind of share their story. And from there, we would read scripture. And these kids are so, so, so hungry for life. They know death. They know the pain and the emotions of the world. And these kids don't want to die. They want life. But they don't know how to get to that place. And our culture has great solutions. The challenge with a lot of... uh, Um, various paths in culture is that they lead to confusion. They're not based in truth. They're not based on life. And so I said to myself, Mark, (laughs) I talk to myself a lot, (laughs) 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 maybe too much, huh? And I said, Mark, you can do it your way or you can do it God's way. So I just simply opened up the Bible. We would read scripture to these kids and they received it just like that. These kids would ask for God, like, how do I get to know God? It's like they intrinsically knew about God. They just didn't know how to get there because of the home environments they were in. God was never mentioned. Right. And they would immediately receive it. And, uh, I, you know, I want to build a theology on this, but then I just like, okay, let's baptize these guys in the Holy Spirit. And they like, what does that mean? And I just say, hey, guys, let's just raise our arms. That's just the way I do it. You don't have to do it. And just introduce yourself to the Holy Spirit. My name is. And Holy Spirit, I want to get to know you. Right. And I just think, Mark, I just think it's so amazing how you're able to reach out to these kids through God. And I think that's just so, so different and so amazing that you can have this different approach and that the kids are willing to accept it mm-hmm. and are not only willing to accept it, but are willing to learn more as well. Mark, we do have to take a quick break real quick. But when we return, I want to talk more about how you know how to say the right things to these kids, um, as well as knowing a little bit more about um, what you think about it and what you think about kids who do commit suicide. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. She still keeps the pictures of who she lost. Joy is a memory she forgot life wasn't fair to her a cold room and all alone she cries tonight her prayers are angry words they're questions why life wasn't fair to her your healer to the broken shepherd to the
Cassandra Perkins on 810 KLVZ, where love lives. Welcome back to the show, everyone. I'm here in studio with Mark DeZuba, and he is just an incredible man and is just doing so many amazing things, you know, not only doing amazing things, but doing them for God and, you know, going through God and God working through him to help children who are suicidal and who are going through depression and suicide and just hating life. And, you know, through God, you're able to, you know, as we talked before the break, through God, you're able to reach out and help these kids. So really, you know, one question I really want to know is how do you always know the right things to say to these children? Yeah, you're just asking great questions. Thank you. <laughs> and, and the answer is you don't. And so as we enter into these facilities, um, I just rely on the Holy Spirit. Right. And I pray and pray and pray. And then as we venture into the into the facility, I do not have this overriding feeling of oh, the Holy Spirit wants me to do this or say that. It's just more as a, maybe kind of like a football game. The offense goes and the defense has to react to it. It's spontaneous, but you've had years to practice to be in a readied state, but you consciously just don't know what to do. And I like that because it takes me out of it. And I can allow God to kind of fill me up because every kid's situation is entirely different. And oftentimes I find myself saying things that, it's not that I don't understand exactly what I'm saying, but I know the Holy Spirit wants me to say that which that right. young man needs to hear, that, right. that broken heart. So I think there needs to be a readiness in the Word uh, by the volunteer, um, but I also think there needs to be an obedience in the volunteer to be sensitive to the wounds of the Holy Spirit, but also to be very sensitive to the brokenness of the child. Um, so that, that's my answer. I do not have a packed answer. And I know people are looking for a system. They're looking for, you know, a bullet point presentation. And it's so difficult to do. Yeah. It's impossible. And it's one of the ironies. Yeah, absolutely. I agree yeah. with you, Mark. And, you know, um, my next question is, you know, what do you think the solution to ending, you know, depression and suicide is? And from my point of view, you know, people always ask me that. People always say, you know, what is the answer? How do we stop it? Well, we're not going to be able to stop it overnight. Right. And we're not going to be able to just stop it in general at right. one point. Right. But, you know, for me, my answer is just to support and to love and to care. So this might yeah. be kind of putting you on the spot. But no. what do you think the steps to, you know, not being depressed, not being suicidal, or just to take this and, you know, flip it around and make it a positive situation like I had to do in my life. You know, I at one point I had to look at my life and say, you know, there's a bigger purpose for me. And I started to see the light at the end of the tunnel. So what do you think are some of the steps we can take to achieve that goal? Yeah, I mean, this is the $64,000 question. And we certainly don't have enough time on this station to, you know, address even the big syllabus. Um, But I can tell from a parental point of view, there are some things that parents must be aware of. And, you know, if they see their 
children in kind of a dejected state or they're in pronounced uh, you know, anxiety or they have a decline in family activities, they're isolating themselves, um, you know, boredom, um, kind of withdrawing. Um, you know, parents in our culture, we have a tendency, of, okay, my child is going through a growing developmental phase. Right. But there has to be some sensitivity to uh, the subtle nuances you know, of a child. And uh, there's an interesting statistic that most young people who commit suicide, they, they being this group of about 75%, have given clear, clear, clear notifications to family, friends, schools that their intention is to commit suicide. And it can be through written letters. It can be going on their computer. It's on their phone. So we need to be sensitive as parents and as culture and as teachers, as pastors, and as friends that when somebody's falling prey to what I would call that kind of dark side or that, uh, you know, depressive state, um, there's a causality behind it. There's something right. causing it. And I agree. And so uh, we also know one of the greatest tools to infuse in a person's life to get them off the suicidal tract is just simply human interaction, <laughs> right? Right. Love, hugs, silence. You know, just be with these people. Um, oddly enough, there is a uh, urban legend that suicides are, or the rate of suicide increases over the holidays. That's absolutely false. As a matter of fact, December is the month that has the lowest rate of suicide. Mm. The highest rate of suicides for teens is in June. Well, why June? The school has come to its conclusion. Now the kids are isolated. They have no interaction with their friends. Oftentimes we live in the latchkey culture, so the kids have no parents. Some of these kids have no brothers and sisters, so they're alone. Right. And when you put youth with trouble and depression together, or you've got a... Or they're in a bad environment, too. Horrible environment. And then you have the perfect... You know, you've got that equation for that perfect storm. So this is where we as friends, family, pastors... Uh, church people, we need to do our part. And our part is just simply being a loving human being. Right. Right. And uh, you asked me another thing, Cassie, what, what can you do? I think we can, as Christians, this is the Christian culture, those who believe in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, we need to speak Scripture. And I, I think it behooves all of us as Christians to put a couple verses under our hat that we can read into the lives of others. And I learned this when I was in hospice. I can speak Mark DeZuba or what I think or what I believe about God to a broken heart, or I can just speak the living word of Christ into somebody's heart. And, you know, as obvious that seems, that was a big revelation for me. But now that I know that, I do this all the time, and then I marvel at how quickly the power and the authority and the transformational uh, dynamic of God just gets in dark situations. Because oftentimes, if we're well-balanced Christians, we can read Scripture, and we just don't want to adjust our compass that quickly, so we sit back and resolve. But a person who is in absolute darkness, absolute despair— absolute hopelessness. The Word of God just comes in, and it is the key that gives the life, the light, and the way. You know, we all know Scripture, you know, you know, Jesus Christ. This is the Mark version of it. Uh, you know, He is the truth. He is the way. He's life. Well, what does that mean? Scripture is the truth. It's not confusion. It's not a lie. He's the way. The path isn't jarbled. Right. And He's life. He's not death. And these kids get it just like that. 
It's wow. simple as that. But you have, you know, I think, I think really what kids are longing for, in my opinion, is to know about this stuff, to know about it, to I want to understand it. They just don't have the resources nope. there to have somebody sit there and explain it to them. And, you know, and I'm not the perfect Christian either. You know, I don't know what each verse in the Bible means, but to have somebody sit down and, you know, s- explain it to me and explain the Bible and help me comprehend things, you know, from God himself from the Bible, it's just so much better. And I think every child and every kid who believes is longing for that and longing for that peace inside of them. So Mark, we have about two minutes left, but you know, really, um, make this really short, but you know, if you were going to give any advice to anybody out there dealing with depression, a parent who might've lost a kid, what would you say to them? To the parent or to the child or both? You know, both. Boy, oh boy, in two minutes, it's, it's impossible. The, the thing that I would say to the Christian community, not the secular community, but to the Christian community, there's that aspect of us where we have to bathe ourselves in the Word, and then the Holy Spirit will move within us. Uh, we have to lay down our rebellious nature. Right. We have to clear our schedule and put some time and indwell in, in the Lord. I think that's first and foremost key. And that applies to all aspects of our life. Right. Then ask God to give you eyes to see into the darkness and the brokenness and those held in captivity. Right. right? He will do it. And then when the Holy Spirit, for me, he just woos me. Now, what the heck does that mean? I just feel like, hey, there's a kid. Go over there. Talk to him. You know and, what, Mark? I, I agree. And that's the thing is I feel like if you ask God, and even with what you're doing, you ask God to guide you. Yep. You pray for the show for us to be able to speak and reach people. And that's what happens when you reach yep. through God. So really, Mark, I think that is such great advice mm. just to reach out to God. And thank you so much for oh, being on you, my Cassie. show today. I yeah. mean, everything that you have shared with me today mm. and you have spoken just has really you know, spoken to me. It's really made me look at things differently. And I'm glad to see um, the adult generation reaching out and understanding. It's yeah. really fresh and very new. But thank you, Mark, so yeah. much for oh, being you're on absolutely. And today. You're just the most amazing young lady I've ever oh, met. Thank and you, you, uh, you give me so much hope for the youth. Oh, thank you. One so, day I'm going to have to come to your Bible study and learn. <laughs> absolutely. So is there a number really quickly that you yeah, can share? Um, my direct line, 719 area code 649 zero two zero one so again seven one nine area code six four nine oh two oh one thank you so much You're Mark. Welcome. thank you so much for thank being you. on the show today and sharing sharing the light on the subject it was really amazing hey if you guys want to know more about my guests such as mark or about what i'm doing you can go to my website cassandraperkinsradio.com or add me on facebook you can look me up at cassandra perkins Until your heart stops kick drum beating When it's hard times, when it's long days And the enemy is right up in your face When your back's against the ropes And you're feeling all alone Keep fighting the
tough spots when you're feeling you're giving all that you got i'm with you in the next step giving you the next breath i'll be the voice saying you're gonna make it when you're out there on your own you are never alone keep fighting the Let's rejoin Behind the Mask with Cassandra Perkins on 810 KLVZ, where love lives. Welcome back to the show, everyone. So glad you're joining me for the second half hour. Hey, I love to hear from my listeners. Um, If you wouldn't mind calling and getting involved in our conversation, you can call 303-477-2473. Again, that's 303 477-2473 as well as go on my website you can find out more about what I'm doing as well as my guests at CassandraPerkinsRadio.com my next guest is so incredible and listening to her story of just helping and just living her life to help others what an amazing amazing gift I have Heather Ely calling in let me read a little bit about what she does Project Sanctuary is a Colorado-based nonprofit corporation founded in September 2007 after founder Heather Ely discovered no organization was helping military families as a whole. Led by veterans and her board of directors, Heather carefully listens to what the military families need and then and then structured Project Sanctuary's programs to meet the needs, pulling from her background as a registered nurse to establish evidence-based programs that encompasses spiritual, physical, and emotional healing. Heather, are you there with us? I am. What an honor to be on your show, Cassandra. Well, the honor is all mine. Thank you so much for for being on my show today, Heather. (laughs) It really means a lot. Well, I am uh, thrilled to be here. Thank you for tackling tough subjects, and uh, hopefully we can provide people with a little bit of hope. I I think so, too, and I really think that's, you know, that's really the main goal of my show is to provide people with hope and inspiration and love and that there is stories out there such as what you're doing, Heather, and I'm so excited to get into this and hear more about your story. So you started this nonprofit, Project Sanctuary, back in September 2007. You know, what was your reasoning behind starting this? You know, um, it says that you're a registered nurse. Was was that the reasoning behind and the person? Personal connection with the military and starting this nonprofit. 
Yeah, I'm a civilian, so way, way back during the first Gulf War, I was working as a registered nurse in a clinic up in Estes Park, and military families started showing up, and they were driving from states away, and they were looking for support. They were looking for answers, and typically it was mom with two kids. The kids are out of school, and they're all there supporting their veteran, and it really struck me that military families as a whole were not getting the support and services that they needed. Uh, so you fast forward to 9-11, and obviously as a civilian, I knew I wanted to help. I wanted to do more, and it was easy for me to remember those kids in that waiting room. Uh, so I started speaking to veterans, and I, hmm. how can I serve? Now is my time to serve. Now is my time to give back. What do you need? How can I help? And honestly, it's the military families that have structured Project Sanctuary. Wow. Uh, it's, it's always changing. It's always evolving based on what they might need today. And I'm just honored to be able to serve this amazing group of people. Wow. You know, and I, I just think stories like this where, you know, I, I love I love when people in society can say, what can I do for you? And it's so unheard of and it's so rare. But when you find those people such as yourself, Heather, that are doing these things just to benefit other people and to help other people, it's just so truly rare and so truly amazing and astonishing that you are living your life and running this nonprofit to help other people, you know, it, just to help people. I just think that's so astonishing to me that you're able to, you know, put yourself behind and focus on people who are really needing the help. I, I just think that's so incredible. But, you know, one of the things that you said is you were reaching out to veterans you know, what were, you know, was it specific people? Was it families in general that you were at first reaching out to? You know, when did this start to become about helping the families? And and the probably one of the most incredible parts of this journey is that it's, I think it's somewhat easy to have the crazy idea that I want to help military and I want to build a retreat center. It's the people that join me in this journey. That has been just absolutely miraculous to find that people join up, they believe in my vision, they believe in what we're doing, and they, they come along. Uh, we had originally put a story up on the website saying we want to help military families, we want to have a retreat center in the mountains hmm. with all these grandiose ideas, and military families started contacting us going, we can't wait for a retreat center to be built. We need help now. Hmm. What can you do? Uh, so it started very slowly with one retreat in one family and then the next retreat with three families. Um, and our wait list and the families that come to us are a result of the families that have gone through the program. They see the value. They want to get others involved. They tell their friends. And it really is an honor to be able to serve these families that believe so highly in our program. Wow. And to have that many people reaching out to you for such such a great cause, you know, these families reaching out to you. You know, when you when you say that the families reached out and said, you know, we need this now, we need the help. What is it that these families or the individuals in the family are going through to need to have help? You know, what, what are they experiencing? Well, right now we've gone through 14 years of deployments and war. So we have a whole generation of children and teenagers who have grown up with typically one, sometimes two parents missing part of their lives. 
Uh, deployments can go anywhere from three months to 14 to 18 months at a time. And if you have a soldier who's deployed regularly, they've missed half of their child's life. Mm-hmm. So not just the service member who's serving is it stressful, but it's also stressful for the family back home trying to be a single spouse, take care of the kids, watch the bills, remain uh, supportive to your service member in the field. It's a tough life. And then they move every two or three years, so they don't have that base of support, that community, because they're constantly being moved. Um, So a lot of times I hear, we just need a chance to reconnect. We need a chance just to catch our breath. We might need some help with communication skills or some financial tools. Uh, but usually they really just need a chance to reconnect as a family. Right, right. And do you feel, um, you know, these retreats, you know, first of all, what what are these retreats? You know, it's up in the mountains, it's in the beautiful nature, you know, you're with your family. You know, what what is this retreat, you know, what, what consists of, what are they doing on this retreat? Well, we use a lot of recreation. Recreation and nature is very, very healing. And we're blessed yeah. to be able to live in Colorado and have opportunity to go outside year-round. <laughs> uh, so whether that's hiking, fishing, snowmobiling, uh, skiing, year-round activities, horses are really powerful and healing. But then the family said that they wanted classes, too. They wanted marriage classes and communication and relationships and so we've added that in and then the family said no we need help with finances so we've added financial classes in and as we yeah as we move forward in post-traumatic stress and traumatic brain injury are such a huge part of so many people's lives that we're adding in classes we address those issues head on we talk about suicides we talk about some ways uh to empower these families so that they can continue to move forward. Hmm. Wow. Uh, and then we have a two-year follow-up program because I'm not able to say gu- say goodbye to anybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, after making so we, connections like that, yeah. yeah. So ever how these families need to be supported, we continue to stay with them. You know... Just all the, you know, services, if it's, you know, just spending time, you know, horseback riding, skiing, you know, even if it's marriage counseling, whatever they may need, you know, you have to have the people to be able to give them that. So, you know, where where do you get, you know, people such as your counselors or where do you get these people who are able to help these families and to, you know, spend their time doing that? Where do you find these people? Well, a lot of times these people find us, which is uh, really wonderful to see, but uh, we partnered with Healthy Marriage. They're a Colorado nonprofit. They're right here. Uh, They listened. They understood what our specific needs were. They tailored their programs to uh, address issues within the military family in a language they could understand. Um, Our volunteers come from all over the country. They come to Colorado because they want to serve, they want to give back, and we give them a venue for that. Sometimes it's whole groups. We have church groups that cook for us every Monday night. They have a year-long wait list to show up and cook for our families. Uh, So sometimes it's a family that wants to give back. Sometimes it's an individual, and sometimes it's groups. Uh, I just feel like we're, we're the middle person. These families need so much help and support, and there are so many wonderful Americans out there that want to give back and do something. They just don't know how. Right. So we 
we provide that avenue. You know, that's something that I, I, I love and I really, you know, appreciate is when you're able to direct them because there are so many people out there who want to volunteer, who want to give their time and want to feel, you know, important, like they are helping and they are helping. And, you know, such as a, you know, Project Sanctuary, giving them an opportunity to be able to do that. You know, what are some of the, you know, because maybe the families are being reconnected and hopefully they're changing and hopefully they get the provide the services that they need to, you know, begin their life and start changing things or whatever they may be going through in their situation. But for your, you know, volunteers, I mean, what a life-changing experience for them. You know, what what does that look like? And what are some stories or reactions that you've had from just volunteers? Uh, life-changing, you just said it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I, I, I think that most people, they if they're not connected with the military, if they're true, true blue civilians like myself, they may have some misunderstandings or some different ideas um, about what a military family looks like and what post-traumatic stress looks like. And so it's really educational to have them come up and sit down at a campfire and listen to our military families and what they're going through Mm. and to be able to give back. And we call it magic. Magic happens usually about day four at a retreat where you see a shift where they've let their guard down. They're starting to absorb all the love and all the wonderful things we're teaching. And for a volunteer to be able to do the whole six-day retreat, it's really powerful. Wow. And then our families that we've served actually come back, and they volunteer. <laughs> and it's a totally different experience when they're on the flip side, and they're serving the other families, and they're just blown away. We yeah. actually say it's a little bit addicting. Yeah. Well, I think that's just so astonishing that these families, you know, who were going through struggles themselves are now able to go back and to help families that were going through similar situations that they were going through. And it's just a a, a train effect. You know, it just keeps going and going and going, which, you know, what an incredible nonprofit you have here, Heather. I mean, how amazing, you know, for you, what is it like to sit back and kind of, you know, like you said, you've said that you could say that you wanted to have this retreat and you wanted to have this place in the mountains and now you do. What is it like for you, you know, from 2007 to 2015 to be able to sit back and look at all these experiences and everything that you've gone through and to see where you are now? You know, we've hosted, um, we, we have a retreat right now. So 64 retreats. Wow. And honestly, I don't know how we've, we've done it other than <laughs> just a lot of faith and putting one positive step each day, trusting in people, asking for help. And I think that's been the the greatest joy is to watch the people that want to help and want to give. I mean, obviously, I love the letters from the military families two, three, four years after their retreat saying, let me tell you how this retreat impacted our family's lives. But all of it is just surreal. It really is. If you would have told me that I would be sitting here talking to you about 64 retreats and 518 families served, and now we're headed off to Utah and California, and we're expanding our program to meet the needs. You can't sit down and actually think it would actually happen. Mm -hmm. There has to be a lot of faith, and I'm just going wherever I'm being led. And if more families need more services, then that's what we're going to do. Wow. And for you to be able to volunteer your time, like I said before, just to help others, 
You know, that's something that I think is such a great quality in a person is to sit back and say, what can I do for you? And the fact that you're doing that on a daily basis with more than enough people, I mean, and you're continuing to help people and to reach out to families who are really in need of it. I mean, Heather, what an amazing gift you have. And, you know, with Project Sanctuary and everything that you're doing, I mean, you're just so incredible and just so amazing. And I'm so glad that you're able to come on my show and share this today. But Heather, we do have to take a quick break. But when we return, I want to talk to you a little bit more about what the retreats look like. So stay tuned, Heather. And guys, we will be right back. Stay tuned.
to Behind the Mask with Cassandra Perkins on 810 KLVZ, where love lives. Welcome back to the show, everyone. I am joined by Heather Ely, which is just such an amazing person who is putting her life to help military families and help them out any way they may need it with her nonprofit, Project Sanctuary, that she started in September of 2007 and is now helping so many families. And like she said, more than she would ever imagine. And I really think, you know, when we let, you know, just let it go and we we have a purpose that that will become something so big and so incredible. And I really think that's what Project Sanctuary has established too. Um, so Heather, are, are you joined? Are you still there with us? Absolutely. I'm right here. Awesome, Heather. So for those who are just listening or just joining us, can you explain a little bit about what Project Sanctuary is? Project Sanctuary hosts six-day therapeutic retreats, usually in the mountains of Colorado. We encompass recreation mixed in with some classes dealing with relationships, communication, post-traumatic stress, financials. We usually have six to ten families at a time from all over the country, and then we follow up with them for two years, making sure that whatever needs they have, that they have an advocate and a friend that can help them navigate. Wow. Yeah. And, you know, just to have that connection afterwards. And like you said, you know, going through this program, I mean, I guarantee you and I know for a fact that you get attached to these families. I mean, you're with them for a week and, you know, for to be attached to them and to know about their lives and their families and everything that they're going through and to be so attached to them. I mean, you shared this a little bit before, but, you know, how do you stay connected with these families after they leave? Um, Lots of different ways. Um, we try to create a sense of empowerment, not entitlement, so that they know mm. that if they need us, they can call us. Right. Uh, they might need to initiate it. Uh, we see a lot of these families back at our retreats. They come back to volunteer. They want to help out. They want to see this program continuing to move forward. Uh, social media has been huge. We have, uh, yeah, uh, I'm friends with a lot of our families, and you're right, we stay connected. Through hmm. social media, we send out surveys a couple times a year asking how they're doing and reminding them that we're there. And a lot of times they, they really bond with not just us but with the other families retreat hmm. so that if they hit a rough patch, uh, sometimes it's the other families from their retreat that go, hey, remember Heather, remember Project Sanctuary. They reach out to them. Let's see what they can do. Wow. Uh, so they sort of tattle on each other. Well, I guess we say support one another. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think what an amazing environment. You know, I feel when I was in middle school and I was being bullied pretty severely, we started this group called Be the Voice. And this is completely different. But, you know, we started this group where kids could come together who were dealing with bullying and dealing with depression and suicide and could just come together after school and sit down and just talk about it. And kids who felt like an outcast now had friends in that group you know so we had a group where we all understood each other what we were going through and said hey I can relate to that it's basically the same thing with Project Sanctuary to be able to get into a group full of families who may be experiencing the same thing or similar to the same thing and say hey I can relate to that and you know share their feelings and share how they're feeling I mean what an amazing environment to be able to be around and to be able to share yourself you know and to be able to be open and 
reach out to others and other families. So like you said, you know, establishing that connection and seeing other families who are friends and who are reaching out to each other now. I mean, what an amazing opportunity for those families, you know, who are helping us so much and fighting for our freedom. I mean, and that's the thing is we, we want to give back to them as much as possible and to reach out to them and to help them. Now, Heather, you know, 22 veterans c- commit suicide every day. That is a huge number. <laughs> that is That's a hu- actually a low estimate. Wow. The real estimate somewhere between 22 and 50 a day. Wow. Um, That's a, a lot of people. It's an epidemic, and it's not okay. Wow. Um, we need more people out there doing things, reaching out, letting them know that they have other choices. Um, yeah, we're going to need some help with this. It's going to need... We need a whole nation to come behind us and support us and reach out to their neighbors and talk to each other. Right. Right. And so, you know, through your organization and through the retreats, what are you doing during the retreats to help, you know, bond these families and to help them, you know, bond and reach out and, you know, maybe their parents, the kids' parents have been gone for most of their life and they're connecting and they're able to share experiences with their dad or their mom or whatever the case may be. How are you helping these families? And we talked about this a little bit, but how are you helping these families on the retreat to be able to, you know, conquer whatever difficulties they may be going through? Yeah, there are a lot of programs um, focused just on the returning veteran or the service member. And we take a different approach. We focus on empowering the whole family as a unit. Uh, We say that we take the family from battle ready to family ready. So when that whole family has the tools that they need to move forward, when they're all speaking the same language, they can all support one another, they all know how to communicate, and they're on the same page and they're healing together and walking forward together as a family, that to us is going to be way more successful than just focusing on one member of the family. Mm. Um, so we, we talk about these things. And, and like you said, with the, the teenagers in your bullying group, these teens have been bounced around and to put right. them into a retreat with other teenagers that have had similar experiences, who've had one or both parents missing for the last 14 years, who have moved constantly to give them the opportunity to come together to retreat and form those lasting friendships uh, is just absolutely powerful. How powerful for them and to be able to share experiences with others who are going through similar situations. I mean, mm-hmm. how, 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 what an amazing blessing. Yeah, we, we provide the sanctuary. Wow. They do the work. <laughs> I love that. I love that. <laughs> Heather, thank you so much for being on my show today. So if my listeners want to get involved, you have about um, 30 seconds. If they want to get involved or, um, or, you know, be a sponsor or whatever the case may be, how do they contact you? website would be the easiest project sanctuary.us awesome and whether that's for the families volunteers sponsors anyone out there anyone that feels like they might be a good fit project sanctuary.us wow and they can just reach out to you and it, it could be you know for the families and you can find all the resources on your website correct Correct. And thank you so much for everything that you do. Um, I know you're just, uh, I've had the pleasure of meeting you. Uh, we both lived in Parker. It was, you're just phenomenal. Aww. You have an energy and a light within you that's just 
a gift. So Aww. thank you for having me on. Heather, thank you so much. And I, you know, I was just talking about it with my mom, you know, that had to be three to four years ago. And just to see how far, you know, we've both come in life is just so incredible. And, you know, I look forward to seeing you succeed and to keep seeing you grow, Heather. Heather Ely, thank you so much for being on my show today. I really appreciate you. Thank you. Absolutely, Heather. And we'll stay in touch. Absolutely. Come back up and see us. (laughs) Absolutely, Heather. As as always, I want to say a big thank you to my producer, Jorge, for always running my show so beautifully. And thank you to my guests for today. If you want to find out more about them, as well as me, you can go to my website, CassandraPerkinsRadio.com. Thank you all so much for listening today. Love you all. And as always, love God, love people, and impact the world for Christ. Goodbye, guys. Thank you for tuning in to Behind the Mask with Cassandra Perkins. To reach Cassandra or to learn more about her ministry and work, visit CassandraPerkinsRadio.com or look her up on Facebook. Listen again every Tuesday from 4 to 5 plus the Saturday morning encore at 10 a.m. Behind the Mask with Cassandra Perkins right here on 810 KLVZ where love lives.